invite you to turn with me this morning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We have been in a series through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And we will conclude that next week. And I will be out of town for a little while after that. Upon my return, then, we will start a new series in uh, looking at what the Bible says about determining God's will for our lives. How do I know what God's will is for me? And we're going to even look at some very specifics that people often ask. How do I know what God's will is for my career or where I should live? Or for a person who is not married, how do I know what who God's will is for me to marry? Some of those big life questions And so we will begin that in July. But today, uh, we are in Matthew chapter 7, looking at verses 13 through 23. I'm going to read those out loud, and you can follow along in your copy of the Bible. Matthew chapter 7, starting to read in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. During our time through Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, we've noted that Jesus has two themes running through these chapters. One of the major themes that Jesus talks about and shows is he's giving us pictures of what it looks like to be right with God. So he looks at a true disciple of Jesus and depicts that person's life. The other thing that Jesus runs through this sermon as these folks are gathered around him on this hillside, is he's giving them instructions about entrance into the kingdom of God. Remember, in the Old Testament, people didn't talk about heaven. They talked about the kingdom. That time when David's descendant, we know to be Jesus, will sit on David's throne forever and ever. And that is what those who are listening to Jesus, that's 
what they're looking for in their lives, the kingdom. We might refer to it as heaven. And Jesus is talking about how to get in, about entrance into the kingdom of God. Right from the very beginning beginning of the sermon in Matthew chapter 5 verse 3, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how he opened this discussion, this, this sermon that he's giving. And we noted that when Jesus said that, he's basically saying that in order to have a righteousness that gets you into the kingdom, we have to realize that we don't have it. In other words, we have to recognize that we are broken spiritually. That we are not good enough in and of ourselves to do enough good things to have entrance into the kingdom. Then Jesus said in chapter 5 verse 20, something that would have just shocked those who were listening to him. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And for those who heard Jesus say that, it would have just been shocking. Who is possibly more right with God than the religious leaders of the day? Those who interpret the law, the scribes, and that the, the ruling uh, religious class, the Pharisees. How, how could anybody be more right with God than them? And yet Jesus says, unless you have a righteousness that exceeds that, you cannot get into the kingdom of heaven. A few weeks ago, Jesus was talking about living our lives in a way that we're not just investing in this earth, that we're living with a kingdom mindset, that we are investing in eternity with our lives and not just today. And at the end of that discussion, Jesus once again talks about the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be added to you. Meaning all of our daily needs, he'll take care of. But we are to be kingdom minded people. Seeking Jesus reign over the kingdom. Seeking his God's plan to come to culmination. And his kingdom be enacted. Be gone. Well today, as Jesus comes to the end of this sermon... He is going to give four warnings about entering the kingdom. Four warnings. We're going to look at three of them today. The fourth one next week. And in giving those warnings, Jesus is going to talk about two paths, two trees, and two claims. And we're going to see that many are going to claim that they are right with God because they've been doing things for God. And yet we're going to see that we cannot do enough things for God that would render us eligible to enter the kingdom. We can't do enough. 
And so Jesus warns, using the pictures of two paths, two trees, and two claims. This past week, Barbara and I did just a little bit of traveling the first part of the week. And we came on several construction zones. Whenever we came to a construction zone, there was some form of warning. Sometimes you'd see a sign that says, construction three miles ahead. And then a mile later, construction two miles ahead. And then a mile later, construction one mile ahead. Sometimes there'd be a person in outfitted in orange, standing there with a sign, almost asleep, going like this to everybody coming by. How would you like that to be your job all day long, just going on? Sometimes I bet they switch the sign and they use this hand, I'm not sure. Sometimes they even had a sheriff's car out of the median with his lights on. That one intrigued me. That, I wonder who was paying for that. Just to get everybody's attention. So that we would be warned. Well here, Jesus is going to give four warnings. Four of them. About entering the kingdom. One's not enough. He's going to say the same thing in different ways. But the truth is going to ring through in all of these illustrations. That there are many who think that they are on a pathway to the kingdom. But only few will enter. Because the many think that they enter the kingdom by what they do. And Jesus is going to say that we can't do enough. In reality, there's only one entrance into the kingdom. And that's through him. So he begins in verses 13 and 14 with the first of the three illustrations that we're going to look at today. Talking about two And he's going to warn that only those who are on one of the two paths will enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to read those two verses again. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Two gates, two paths. And Jesus here talks about there being a narrow gate and a wide gate. The narrow gate he describes in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. And then he continues in verse 14 to say that the gate is small And the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Without coming right out and saying it, Jesus here is talking about himself as being the narrow gate. It's interesting that in verses 13 and 14, we see the word narrow in some of our English translations used twice. But in reality... 
There are two separate Greek words used here. The New American Standard Bible that I read from translates them both narrow. But the second word is a form of the word tribulation. Opposition. Some of your translations, instead of calling it narrow, they will call it difficult. So we could read verse 14, for the gate is small and the way is difficult that leads to life. Jesus is saying to be his disciple, to be his follower is not always the easiest path. In fact, it's hard. And he warns through the gospel of Matthew, his disciples, of how hard it is to be his follower. And yet, he is inviting people to be his disciples here. He's inviting people to follow after him. To be his disciple. To take the path that's going to be more difficult than the one that the world around them is taking. Because that pathway is easy to get on and often easy to follow. He calls it the wide, broad gate. Verse 13, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. So we find here Jesus talking about the narrow gate leading to life. And we're going to see in a few minutes by that he means the kingdom. And the broad path, the wide gate, leading to destruction. And later in the book of Matthew, Jesus defines that as eternal destruction. Eternity separated from God. So it's easy to be on a pathway that leads to eternal destruction. And that's a pathway that leads people away from the narrow gate. Jesus himself. And Jesus here is inviting people to become his disciple. Notice Jesus only describes two gates. There's either a gate through him to life or a broad gate to destruction. We got to see my youngest son the first part of the week who recently moved in apartments So now he's right on the edge of downtown Minneapolis. And there's a bridge called, um, I think it's called the uh, Stone Arch Bridge that comes almost to his apartment. He's like within two blocks of the Stone Arch Bridge. He rides his bike on it every day over the Mississippi River downtown. So in the evening we went for a walk. And we walked out onto the Stone Arch Bridge. It's a pedestrian bridge. Over the Mississippi to downtown. It was fun. It's really quaint. It's beautiful. What do you think the people of Minneapolis would say if all other bridges were shut down and people were told there's only one way to get downtown and that is the Stone Arch Bridge. Well, you can imagine there'd be mass rebellion. Well, that's no good. 
That's not going to work. The only way downtown, across the river, if I live this side of the river, is to use a pedestrian bridge? Oh, that's not convenient. That's no good. That's going to be painful. What do you mean there's only one way? In reality, Jesus here is saying there's only one way to the kingdom. There's only one way to God's eternal future. To life. And Jesus introduces that one way as entering through the narrow gate by being his follower. By believing in him. He's told us that narrow path, remember in verse 14, it's it's hard, it's difficult. But it leads to life. Notice in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. You see, when Jesus says the narrow gate leads to life, He's talking about the fact that the narrow gate is what leads to the kingdom. The life that he's talking about here is eternity in God's presence. So that is an invitation to be his follower, to put faith in him. But he also talks about there being a broad path, a path to destruction. You can keep your finger finger in Matthew 7 and turn with me if you desire over to Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, in verse 34, Jesus talks about entering the kingdom. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That would be parallel to entering by the narrow gate. That would be those who inherit life. But at the end of that chapter in verse 46. He gives us the parallel to the wide gate. The broad path that's easy to be on. He says these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. So Jesus here is giving a warning. It's a very simple warning. There's two gates. There's two paths. One goes through him. That's the narrow gate. That's the one that's going to be marked by difficulty. Because those who truly follow after Jesus are not going to be popular in their community. They're not going to be... Uh, embraced by the world, the world will hate them, Jesus says later. There's another path, and it's really big, and it's really broad, and it's easy to take. But Jesus says that path, that path of religiosity, that path of quote-unquote doing things for God, that path that the Pharisees have been on, on looking good, But in reality, their hearts being far from him, that path leads to destruction. That path leads to eternal separation from God. The first of three warnings here. Two paths. In verses 21 through 23, Jesus gives a second warning. 
This time, it's a warning of two trees. And Jesus is going to say that only one of two trees pictures those who will enter the kingdom. Those on the narrow path. The other tree pictures those who are on the broad path. So he starts out with an illustration, a a warning of two paths. Now he's going to use different words with the same warning, a picture of two trees. And he's going to say that there are those who want to pull you away from the narrow path, from the narrow gate. Look with me at verse 15. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus may be talking about the religious leaders of the day. That's what he spent this whole time in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 talking about. Those who want to look religious by praying grandiose prayers in public, by giving to the poor so that others will see them, by fasting Making themselves look really spiritual, but making sure that everybody around them knows they're fasting. He may be talking about those who are doing, quote unquote, good things for God. But in reality, they are leading people down a path of destruction. He may just be talking about others apart from the Pharisees too. Who, for those who are listening, will try to continually pull them away from the narrow gate from Jesus himself. But Jesus says, beware, there's two kinds of trees out there. Only one of them is real. Verse 16, he says, you will know them by their fruit. Verse 19, you will know them by their fruit. You see... It's easy to want to look like we're religious, look like we are committed to God. But if one watches a life long enough, reality will show itself. And Jesus, with the illustration of two trees, says, just look for the fruit He says it in verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. He says it in verse 20, you will know them by their fruits. Verse 16, grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down And thrown into the fire. You see Jesus in verse 19. Is talking about the same thing. That he talked about in verse 13. When he said the wide gate. The broad path. Leads to destruction. Here in verse 19. He talks about the person. Who is just trying to look religious. Appear to be spiritual. That path that they are on. That tree. That their lifestyle when we look long enough or hard enough, doesn't match their words, that person, it says, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. They're facing an eternity separated from God. If you went to the back of our property where our house is, you'll see three trees. 
two of them have pears. Little tiny pears with pears on them. One of them is just filled with cherries. And they're starting to turn red. Enough that you can see that those are cherries. If I would ask even one of the kids in the neighborhood to come down and look at my trees and say to them, Hey, uh, what is this on that tree? They'd say, well, those are cherries. And then if I ask them, so what kind of tree is it? Well, they'd look at me like I was crazy. What do you mean, what kind of a tree is it? You look at the fruit. What did you just ask me what the fruit is? It's cherries. And then you ask me what kind of tree it is? Well, it's a cherry tree. That's Jesus' point. His true disciples, those who take the narrow gate, while life is not easy, as you look at their life over the long haul, we should be able to see true fruit. That, that God is changing that person's life, making them more like Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. But we should expect fruit. And here Jesus is giving a warning. He starts out by saying there's two paths. Only one of them lead to the kingdom. Then he switches to two trees. But only one of the trees is truly headed for the kingdom. That's the one who is not just trying to look religious or look spiritual. But it's the person who actually has entered through the narrow gate, through the person of Jesus Christ, who's become his disciple, who's placed his or her faith in Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus comes to his third illustration in verses 21 through 23. And here he's going to talk about two claims. One person is going to claim that they have right to enter the kingdom because they've done things for God. Look with me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There's a couple of things to notice here. Notice that Jesus, early here in his ministry, is saying that he is the one Who's going to judge whether people enter the kingdom or not. You see here, he's really claiming to be the Messiah. He is the one who's going to judge. He also talks about, many will say to me. So he's the one that will make that decision whether a person enters the kingdom or not. They'll say to me on that day. Now, remember, these people who are listening to Jesus talk 
only know the Old Testament scriptures. And the Old Testament scriptures talk a lot about quote unquote that day. This is almost a technical phrase that Jesus is using. Referring to the kingdom. Referring to that time when Messiah will sit on David's throne and reign forever and ever. I'll just read a couple of them quickly in the book out of the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11 and verse 17, we read, The proud look of man will be abased, and the loftiness of man will be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Verse 17. The pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiest loftiness of man will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Chapter 4, verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth will be the pride and the adornment of the survivors of Israel. You see, when Jesus here referred to that day, he's talking about the kingdom coming in its fullest. The, the end of God's plan of of salvation, of redemption of the earth from its curse under sin. He's talking about final judgment. And he is very clear saying that he is the one who's going to judge. And notice what some people are going to say. Well, think about all the good things I did. I mean, I I actually helped Tell people a word from God or I did a miracle. And Jesus is going to respond to that person. The person who's been on the broad path. The person whose true fruit never really matched their profession. He's going to say that to that person. I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. So how does the person enter the kingdom? Well, Jesus says it here. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. I'm going to read a passage for you out of John chapter 6, verse 29. When Jesus parallels doing God's will and doing God's work. And in John chapter 6, verse 29... I'm going to pick it up in verse 28. Therefore they said to him, what should we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. This is the will of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. And then these three illustrations. The illustration of the past. The illustration of the trees. And now the illustration of the claims. There's only one path that actually leads to the kingdom. And that's the narrow path. That's the path through Jesus himself. To believe in the one who the Father has sent. Once in a while, it doesn't happen often, but once in a while... I will do a few things around the house. And I find myself kind of wanting to draw attention to that. For example, if I empty the dishwasher 
I will mention to Barbara, hey, did you notice that I emptied the dishwasher? And she will give just a very passive kind of an answer like, yeah, I I saw that. By which she means, I have emptied the dishwasher 147 times to your every one. You see, I can't do enough good things around our house to ever catch up. To ever, to ever even come close. And that's the way it is with us and God. If we try to claim that we've done good things, you know what? It's like me emptying the dishwasher once to God's million. We can't do enough. We can't do enough to cancel out our sin. And the Bible's clear that each and every one of us are sinners. There's a verse in the book of Isaiah in the 59th chapter that says, but your iniquities, that's another word for sin, have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you so that he does not hear. It's almost as if we are here on the side of the Mississippi River and their God is clear on the other side of the Mississippi River. And if you look at the Mississippi right there, there's there's no way, at least no way I could swim across it. I'd be sucked under and die. Although people try to cross that chasm between us and God by, well, I did this for him, I did this for him. And Jesus is going to say to that person, I never knew you. You see, there's only one bridge. There's only one bridge to God. It's not necessarily the easy bridge, but it's the only one that leads to him. And that's through the person of Jesus Christ. There's a book, there's a verse in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 that says there's one God and one mediator. That's another word for bridge. Between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Here he invites people to become his disciples. By asking them to enter the narrow gate. Not to take the path of the world around them. But to put faith in him. That he is God. That he died on a cross as payment for our sin. Because he had to. Otherwise we would all have no hope. Because God, in his rightness as our creator, has to punish our sin. If he didn't, it would violate his very character and his nature. Because there's no sin in him at all. He has to punish our sin. Because he is righteous. But he's also loving. And so what he did is he took his one and only son... And sent him to earth who was born of a virgin so that he could be all God and all man. So he could live a sinless life so that he could die taking all of God's wrath upon himself. And then he rose again from the dead proving that he's God. 
That's what God did. That's the bridge that God built for us. Jesus calls it the narrow gate. And I would encourage us this morning, if there's anyone here and you're not sure if you are on that path that you have never really known for sure if you are right with God. If you know in your heart that you've not put your trust, your dependence in Jesus Christ. Finally coming to that point where you say, uh, I know I can't do enough good things, so I'm putting my dependence off of myself onto the person of Jesus Christ. I believe that he is God. I believe that he died for me and rose again. If you have not done that, I would encourage you after the service. We've got some little booklets back in our prayer room. One of our leaders here at Faith Bible Church, one of our elders will be back there. You don't even have to have a conversation if you don't want to. You can just go back and say, hey, can I have one of those books Pastor Steve was talking about? And then give it to you. Or maybe you you know Jesus. You put your trust in him, but you have a friend that you'd like to give that book to. Just stop back afterwards and you can take out your own copy of the Bible And look up the verses that it takes you through in the first chapter of that book. And see from your own Bible how you can know for sure that you're right with God through faith in Jesus. The narrow gate. The narrow path. You see, doing things for God isn't enough to give us entrance into the kingdom. Entrance into the kingdom only comes through faith in Jesus. Father, we thank you for these verses. And the reminder that there's only one way to you. And that's through the person of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name.